All right, folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Brian Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am very excited to get into the weeds now as we are going to talk about the Phoenix Suns. We're going to explore the Nuggets-Suns matchup here. This is the coup de grace, the piece de resistance, the... Uh, the bell of the ball, whatever you want to call it. This is exactly what Nuggets fans have been waiting for in this run. And I am so looking forward to everything that comes from this series. There's going to be drama. There's going to be animosity. There's going to be ups. There's going to be downs. And uh, we're going to find out. We're going to find out real quick if the Nuggets have what it takes, if they are the team that we keep saying that they are. Uh, It's going to be a stressor. That much I know. Uh, This Nuggets team is... uh, They they got through the first round. They got through it. They made it work at this point. And and that's an exciting prospect. That's an exciting thing. They got through it in five games. Limited number of injuries. They've just got bumps and bruises, things like that. Nothing long-term that they have to worry about. Uh, Now they play the Suns. They play the Suns that traded for Kevin Durant at the deadline this past uh, February. Something that I don't don't think anybody really expected to happen. And you turn around and you realize, okay, now you've got to get through that team in order to win the championship. And uh, just a full bit of disclosure here. The Nuggets, they should be the team that advances. Everything about... Regular season, everything about uh, the regular season mattering, continuity mattering, uh, the team that has gone through the trials and tribulations and, and then building themselves back up and building together. Like It says that Denver should be able to get this done. Now, whether they actually do or not remains to be seen. We're going to talk about it all. We're going to go through it in three different segments here. Uh, the first one will be about when the Suns have the basketball. So the Suns offense versus the Nuggets defense. The second segment will be about when the Nuggets have the ball, the Nuggets offense versus the Suns defense. Those are two very different uh, matchups than than Nuggets-Timberwolves. This is going to be a very interesting battle on both ends of the floor that Denver's going to have to manage. And then final segment, we will talk about why I think this will be the defining series of the Michael Malone, uh, Nikola Jokic era in Nuggets basketball. But first, let's talk about when the Suns have the ball. I went through a bunch of numbers. I did a bunch of research for this uh, in order to give you guys the best possible takes that I could and the most uh, information that I could in this particular podcast. So if you're not, if you're listening to this uh, from the future, uh, welcome back. I'm going to be referencing this uh I'm going to be definitely referencing this at every single point before Saturday. This is going to be my most important podcast that I record, I think, before game one hits for sure. Uh, But here's the gist of it. All of these numbers, unless deemed otherwise, are from cleaning the glass. Uh, The Suns have a 123.6 offensive rating in the minutes that they played against the Clippers. In the first round so far, the five games that they played against the Clippers, they won that series 4-1. They led the NBA in offensive rating. Now, 
It helps when Kawhi Leonard only played two games of the five. It helped when Paul George didn't play a single game in that particular matchup. But the fact remains is that the Suns, they killed. They absolutely destroyed when it came to having the basketball, creating shots, uh, doing the things that are very difficult for some teams, but the Suns made it look easy. Uh, On the four factors front, they were fourth in effective field goal percentage. They were fifth in turnover rate allowed, 10th in offensive rebounding rate, and second in free throw rate. Uh, Just going through that here really quick, the most important of the four factors is how many shots you make for the Suns. Their effective field goal percentage really stands out here, where they were just great in that particular matchup. Uh, That's going to be the defining thing. Can they make as many shots as possible against the Nuggets? The Nuggets are going to hustle up. They're going to try to limit the Suns' free throws if they can. They're going to try to limit the – or like they turn the Suns over as much as they can. They're going to try to limit the offensive rebounding if they can. Those are all going to be things – Uh, But the most important of the four factors, uh, dating back to the 2021 matchup that the Nuggets had against the Suns, is how many shots the opposing team is making against you. That's twos and threes. And for the Suns, they were really good about that against the Clippers. The next factor, just heavy minutes in the playoffs so far for Devin Booker and for Kevin Durant. Those guys have been fantastic so far in the playoffs this year, but they've had to play heavy minutes. To do it. Uh, the thing that really stands out in those, uh, the four factors before them, as well as these minutes, are the offensive ratings when Durant and Booker are on the floor are fantastic. There's zero doubt that the team is going to be great in those minutes. It's really hard to stop Devin Booker and Kevin Durant at the same time. Not a surprise. Uh, the offensive rating for the Suns is 127.7 against the Clippers uh, when Booker and Durant are both on the floor. Uh, During the regular season, it was 124.7, so still great, still an elite number. Now, that changes when it's just one of those guys. I didn't even do the numbers without any of those guys on the floor because there just weren't that many unless it was garbage time. But the numbers when uh, one of Durant or Booker sits, when it's just Durant on the court, uh, during the regular season, it was a 106.6 offensive rating, which is not good, uh, but it was a 113.6 offensive rating when it was just KD and not Booker. So him creating a lot of shots, maybe it's Chris Paul doing some more things, maybe DeAndre Ayton's getting a little bit more involved, things like that. Now when Durant sits uh, during the regular season, it didn't really affect the Suns at all because they basically had to survive the entire regular season without Durant having traded for him probably two-thirds of the way into the season anyway, and then him missing as many games as he did during the regular season. There just there weren't a lot of minutes where the Suns had Kevin Durant during the regular season, and they were still fine. But during the playoffs and the minutes with Booker on and Durant off, 90.9 offensive rating for those minutes against the Clippers. And that to me is a big deal because it shows, okay, they're human. They are not going to just shoot the lights out the entire time, no matter who's on the court. It's one of the reasons why Durant only sat on average for about 4.2 minutes per game. <laughs> like, that's a that's a pretty big piece of this. Uh, for Booker, he sat for five minutes per game. So you're not going to get a lot of times where those guys aren't, like, overlapping. 
and where they aren't going to play together. But I do think in general that that's going to be a pretty defining characteristic of the Suns. If there are ever minutes where Booker is playing without Durant or Durant is playing without Booker, you have to load up to the guy that's on the floor, try to stop them, try to get the ball out of their hands without giving up easy shots on the weak side. That's the probably the biggest thing, in my opinion. In terms of the types of shots that the Suns get, they lead the league by far in mid-range shooting efficiency during the playoffs at 53.4%. Over half of their shots have come from either the short mid-range or the long mid-range, according to Clean and Glass. That is abnormal for most teams in the modern NBA where they are trying to work for three-pointers or three or yeah, three-pointers or layups or free throws. Now, the Suns, they do get to the free throw line. They, they were second in free throw rate uh, on the four factors, as I mentioned before. So they still find ways to get to the free throw line and, and create easy shots that way. But if they don't get to the free throw line as much, and if they get a whole bunch of mid-range shots but don't take a bunch of threes, they are last in the NBA in generating shots at the rim. They're last in the NBA in generating shots from three. If that persists and Denver can cut down on the number of fouls that they accumulate against the Suns, then that's going to play the math game where the Suns, despite the fact that they're shooting great from everywhere, they're not going to have as valuable of an offense as they did against the Clippers. That's where you have to win the battle against them. It is not something where, uh, in general, you just like, you can't like stop. Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. That's not going to happen. You've got to keep making them take tough shots, and you've got to hope that your contests are really good. Now, sometimes you have to disrupt them. You have to prevent them from getting to their spots. You have to uh, just do technical things, veteran things, physical things, but you have to do it without fouling. It's a very tough balance that you have to strike. But we are going to see whether Denver can do that or not. The fact is that the Suns, they have elite shooting efficiency in every spot on the floor. There are no weaknesses there. There are certain things that they do better. Uh, There are certain things that they do more than others. But uh, just looking at these shooting efficiencies, they are third in field goal percentage on shots at the rim, fifth in field goal percentage at the short mid-range, third in field goal percentage in long mid-range, fourth in corner three-point percentage, and fifth in above-the-break three-point percentage. That's super daunting. That is not an exciting thing to have to go up against if you are the Nuggets. That's a a really stressful thing. I can't stress that enough. Uh, But what I will say, and, and here's a little bit of solace that I think Nuggets fans can take heading into this matchup. The Suns, like, they played against the Clippers. And the Clippers, without Kawhi, uh, during three of those five games, without Paul George in all five of those games, The Clippers did a thing in that matchup where they didn't really play Robert Covington a lot. They didn't play Nicholas Batum as often as he probably should have played. They had a couple bigs that they played in Avisa Zubac and Mason Plumlee. But the overall lack of size on that roster was pretty apparent. There were a lot of lineups where those guys were playing four or sometimes even five guards all the time in those particular matchups. Like just running through the collective height of this Clippers rotation based off of the minutes played. Here are the top 10 players in minutes played for the Clippers. Russell Westbrook at six point, uh, six foot three, Norman Powell at six foot three, Eric Gordon at six three, 
Terrence Mann at 6'5". Those are your top four guys in minutes played. If Issa Zubac then shows up at 7 foot, Nichols Batum is at 6'8". Mason Plumlee is at 6'11". Then Bones Highland comes in at 8th at 6'3". Kawhi's ninth in minutes played in this series at 6'7". And then Marcus Morris at 6'8". So they did not have a lot of collective size. On average, based off of the minutes played in the Clippers rotation, they averaged a, a playing height of six foot five point eight, so like just under six six. Uh, compare that with Denver. I, I actually did this with Denver's first round series, and now I do think that their minutes will probably change up a little bit. I think Christian Brown will play, probably play a little bit more than Jeff Green. Uh, maybe Bruce Brown plays a little bit more than Michael Porter at various points. But in general, like based off of Denver's first round series, their average height was closer to six eight as opposed to the 6'6", six, 6'5", six, uh, six, and basically three quarters that the Clippers played. So two extra inches of height, which means a couple extra inches in wingspan, just having bigger players, taller players, uh, guys that are maybe a little bit more physically imposing on the perimeter. You've got Christian Brown at 6'7", uh, KCP at 6'5", Aaron Gordon at 6'8", Michael Porter at 6'10". He's going to give good contests, even if he's not going to play great defense overall. Uh, I do think that Denver, based off of their rotation, is in a better position to force height to be a factor on on some of these Suns' elite shot makers. Do I think that KD and Devin Booker are still going to go off against the Nuggets? Absolutely. How could you not? They're amazing. Devin Booker, I think, has been the best player in the league through through this first round, basically. He's been unbelievable. And KD doesn't suck either. Uh, but I do think that based off of Denver's rotation, based off of what they've provided here, that there's at least enough to like what the Nuggets uh, can can provide on the perimeter. I think that a guy like Christian Brown could be a really big difference maker in this series. There's no doubt in my mind that, that his uh, that his advantage here stands out. So, like Christian Brown is 6'7", the only other guy that played in the top like six or the top five of the rotation on the Clippers that was six, seven or taller was Avisa Zubac, who's a center. Russell Westbrook is six, three, Norman Powell, six, three, Eric Gordon, six, three, Terrence Mann, six, five. Like those guys are solid defenders in their own right. But I do think that honestly, Denver has a better chance of defending the Clippers well than or defending the Suns well than I think the Clippers did. And I don't think people really take that. Like they, they, Assume that the Clippers are this great defense, uh, but they didn't actually finish better than the Nuggets in the regular season. There was no reason to believe that this version of them could defend the Suns. I think there's reasons to believe that the Nuggets can be a little bit better. They don't have to be great, but they've just got to be just, just a little bit better. And if you can do that and then outscore Phoenix, like I think a lot of people believe the series is going to come down to, then you have a chance. Absolutely. Maybe you should even be the favorite. But I understand why Denver's not the favorite based off of this. But I do think that based off of some of the pressure points here, the Suns are going to be awesome with Booker and Durant. When one of those guys sits, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a different uh, factor here. I think there's going to be a lot to like uh, in those minutes where one of those guys sits. Denver has to take advantage of those moments. They have to put on a lot of pressure. They've got to load up to whoever's still out there and make sure that the shots are really difficult. 
But if I'm looking at pressure points, I'm looking at can Chris Paul Chris Paul be the same Chris Paul that destroyed Denver in 2021? Let's just look up his series numbers against the Nuggets back in the day. It was not great uh, in in that series. Denver could not guard Chris Paul. They really struggled against him. And I'm just gonna try to pull it up here. Um, okay, in that series. Chris Paul shot 62.7%. He shot 75% from three. He shot 100% from the free throw line. He had 10.3 assists and 1.3 turnovers. That's nuts. That is unbelievable. I don't think this is the same version of Chris Paul that faced the Nuggets in 2021. I just don't. I, I look at the numbers that he put up against the Clippers and there are things that he's going to be better against the Nuggets at, like getting to his mid-range elbow jumpers. He's going to be better at that in this series than he was against uh, the Clippers last series. But I do think that Denver's got better personnel this time around to kind of match up with him a little bit. Uh, Bruce Brown should be great in that matchup. Jamal Murray provides a little bit more size in that matchup. It will be competitive there. Uh, KCP, if he switches out on that, will be okay. And then they're going to hunt Michael Porter, but he's 6'10". Like, he can absolutely help out in trying to contest some of those shots. So if they seek that out, I just remember Chris Paul having the Nuggets in hell in that series. And I just don't think that it's going to be like that this time around. Um, but we'll see. Like, that's a that's a swing factor. So if it goes Denver's way, then they've got a chance. Another one, Torrey Craig. He made 10 of his 18 threes in the first round. That's over 55%. Is that going to hold up? Is he going to shoot 40%? Is he going to shoot 30%? Is he going to shoot 25%? If he shoots 40%, then it's tough. It's something that Denver's going to have to live with. But if they do live with it, then they'll be okay. Uh, if he shoots 30%, maybe Denver wins an extra game because of just role player shooting. And it, it doesn't just extend to Torrey Craig. It could be Ish Wainwright. It could be Josh Okogie. It could be all of these guys. Like if they don't hit their shots, then it's a big deal. Uh, just going off of that, the bench depth. Only six guys in the in the Suns rotation played over 100 minutes in the playoffs. Uh, Denver has, I think, seven guys who did. And they've got a lot of guys that, are, that gets, kind of share a little bit more of that load uh, than, than what Denver has had so far, than what the Suns have had so far. The Suns, they've put a lot on Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. Will that wear them down? I don't know. And then the last one is DeAndre Ayton. Aiton only shot 53% from the field against the Clippers. I think he'll be more efficient against the Nuggets uh, just by the nature of the pick and roll, by the nature of what he's going to be asked to do. The question is how much more efficient. Is he going to be shooting 65%? Is he going to be shooting 75%? Is he going to be shooting only 55%? I think that's there are levels to this conversation. So if he's not that much better, then Denver obviously has a chance. They can make it work. I don't think Denver's stopping the Suns. There's no way that they're stopping the Suns. But what I will say is that it's not hopeless. Uh, I think it's being framed a lot as, as, a, as a hopeless proposition for Denver to try to get any stops at all against the Suns. It's going to be tough. There's no doubt about that. But I do think that Denver can get some stops. Whether they get enough stops, that remains to be seen. All right, let's take our break. When we come back, we are going to discuss 
Uh, just everything involving when the Nuggets have the ball. That'll be a much more pleasant conversation. But first, everybody, as you know, Superbook Sports is our big uh, advertiser for this podcast, our big sponsor for this pod. They do a great job of pushing content and pushing betting for baseball and the postseason hockey and hoops. Make sure to check it all out this spring at Superbook Sports. They're the best wagering app around with a direct line to experienced bookmakers behind the counter in Las Vegas. Plus, get a $250 bonus when you sign up, deposit, and wager in the same day. Don't let spring pass you by without winning money at Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast, as always. Can be awesome if you leave a like on the show. I know uh, I scheduled this podcast for 8.30, and then uh, Michael and I were talking before and realized, oh, crap, that's during the Avs game. Ryan, what were you thinking? And I'm like, I-, I wasn't thinking. I wasn't thinking about the Avs game at all. I was just thinking about when's a good time between the early Western Conference playoff game and the late Western Conference playoff game where we could nestle in a live show. Uh, and I, I didn't even think about the Colorado Avalanche. So my apologies to Avalanche fans here. If you're arriving at this point, then thank you for showing up. Uh, but if you can, just leave a like on the podcast and we would greatly appreciate it. Okay, let's get back to this. When the Nuggets have the basketball I've been framing it as when the Suns had the basketball in the first segment. Now we're going to talk about when the Nuggets have the ball. This will be a little bit shorter. I think this is a a much kinder conversation for Denver. They're going to be able to do some good things. Uh, What I will say, Denver in the first round had a 118.6 offensive rating. That ranked third in the NBA playoffs. It was very much in line with what people should expect. Uh, Going back to the other one, uh, when the Suns have the ball, obviously the Suns have a 123.6 offensive rating. Denver has a 110.4 defensive rating. That ranks sixth in the NBA playoffs. So on that end, it's at least a, a strength versus moderate strength based off of what Denver did against the T-Wolves. In this particular matchup, the Nuggets have a 118.6 offensive rating that ranks third. The Suns have a 117.6 defensive rating based off of the five games that they played. That ranks 16th in the NBA playoffs. And it's 16th because uh, it's not like 16th out of 16. It's 16 out of 20 because that counts the playing teams. Unfortunately, that was the uh, that was the distinction that cleaning the glass made. So my apologies. Some of these stats will, if it's 16 out of 16, it's not really out of 16. It's out of 20 on those particular numbers. Uh, But here is the four-factor battle. Uh, Denver is fifth in effective field goal percentage. They are third in turnover rate, 11th in offensive rebounding rate, and 12th in free throw rate. So pretty average in those last two categories, 11th in offensive rebounding, 12th in free throw. But they're pretty good in terms of effective field goal percentage and in turnovers. And what that is is limiting the number of turnovers 
as the total percentage of your possessions. That's a good thing for Denver. And much like the Suns, the Nuggets have been an efficient shooting team, an efficient scoring team on the very first possessions that they have. Uh, they do a pretty good job there. The Suns, on the other hand, are like, it's kind of not great. Actually, well, here's the difference between the Nuggets offense and the Suns offense. Everything that the Nuggets offense has done in these playoffs, it's very similar to the Suns. The only difference is that they haven't gotten to the free throw line as often as the Suns have. So part of the reason why the Suns were able to get to the free throw line as often as they were was because of the size disparity. It was because they always had an advantage where Kevin Durant is going up against, like he's seven foot and he's going up against six foot four guys, six foot three guys. And he just drives into them and they can't contest his jumper without getting close. And then he uses that to leverage drawing a foul. Devin Booker, same thing. Uh, a lot of those guys do a great job of creating contact. And so Denver's going to have to deal with that on that end. But they're also going to have to do a better job of leveraging that on their own offensive end. But they'll have to create their own free throw opportunities. There's no doubt that they can. There's no doubt that they should. Uh, the Suns defense, here, listen to these. 16th in effective field goal percentage allowed. 10th in turnover percentage forced, 14th in defensive rebounding rate, and 16th in free throw rate allowed. So, like, the Suns haven't had a real good category against the Clippers. They didn't really do anything that well. And part of that is because they didn't have to. Part of that is because their offense is so good that they didn't really have to lock in on anything. I expect the Suns to bring a better defensive effort against the Nuggets than they did against uh, the Clippers because... It's hard to get up for those games where you okay, you don't have Kawhi, you don't have Paul George, you're just going to kind of coast. Uh, obviously, they've got Russell Westbrook and Norman Powell and Eric Gordon, and if those guys are creating the majority of the offense, it's not a surprise that, uh, that the Suns are probably not super motivated on the defensive end because they know they're going to always be able to outscore that team. So that's always going to be a thing. But uh, what I will say is that Denver, they can make that work. They've got the advantage on offense over the Suns' defense for sure. Suns don't really do that great on any particular factor. Uh, and I do think that this matchup should be pretty helpful because it's better than the last matchup for one thing. No Nikhil Alexander-Walker or Rudy Gobert should help out Denver. Uh, those two great individual defenders and, and honestly pretty good team defenders against a team like Denver, where you have to have good matchups against Jokic and Murray. There are some similarities between Aiton and Gobert. There aren't a lot of similarities between guys on the Suns and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. So Jamal Murray should have a pretty good series here. There, there's no reason why he can't have success. Uh, he has to continue to create good shots for himself. He can't fall into the trap of trying to match what the Suns are doing. He just has to continue generating great shots for himself and for the team. But I do think that the matchups are better. This is, this is a better matchup for Denver specifically. Uh, Denver's offensive rating with Jokic and Murray out there in the regular season was 125.4. In the playoffs against the T-Wolves, it was 119.4. So you, you expect a little bit of a drop-off in a playoff situation. But 119.4 is still pretty good. Nothing to really sneeze at. Offensive rating with just Jokic out there without Murray, 126.6 against the Wolves. Denver was still very good in those moments. And Denver found a lot of success with Bruce Brown out there, with Michael Porter running DHOs, and then Jokic just kind of commanding everything at the top. 
It's really good stuff. <coughs> Sorry, still getting over this cough. Trying to do my best. Do my best to get over the sickness here. Um, yeah, I do think that Denver is still... Like, they've got an offensive matchup here. They've got a great advantage. Problem is that in the playoffs, the minutes without Jokic are still going to be an issue. They're probably going to be a bigger issue. Well, maybe they will be a bigger issue in this matchup. But here's the thing. Against the T-Wolves, the offense with Murray on the floor without Jokic was 108.5 in terms of defensive or offensive rating. It's not good enough. And it's better than what the the Suns did with uh, Durant without Booker. Actually, no, Booker without Durant. Uh, so that's at least something that Nuggets fans can take some solace in. But there are probably going to be more minutes uh, without Jokic than there will be minutes without Booker or minutes without Durant in this series. Just the nature of foul trouble. It is the nature of what the Nuggets are going to be expected to do in this series. And then that's a that's obviously a tough matchup for Denver. But I do think that they have capabilities here. I think they absolutely can. They've got to get good shots, and I do think that a balanced shot profile, where those shots are coming from, is very important in this one. Because with the Suns, they take so many of their shots from the mid range. The Nuggets do not. Like they, they take a a larger percent of, the, of their shots from the mid range than they do at shots at the rim, shots from three. But it's pretty even. Like it's thirty one point two percent of their shots are at the rim. of their shots are in the mid-range. 33.8% are shots from three. That's pretty even. Like It's a little bit subpar in some of those other categories because of so many teams playing the Mori ball style. But for Denver, as long as they could be efficient on all of those areas, they're going to be okay. The problem is that Denver's shooting efficiency, it was good at the rim and on threes, but it was bad in the mid-range. And it was not something that... I think people would expect from Denver. Jokic is so very good from the mid-range because the floater generally counts as that. Uh, Murray has got the the pull-up too. Jokic has a a pull-up jumper as well. Denver doesn't really have a lot of other guys that excel from the mid-range, so maybe that's where it really comes from. But I do think that the majority of those shots for Denver, the mid-range shots, are from Jokic and Murray specifically. So if they're not shooting well from that area, it's because of those guys. Uh, Denver's eighth in field goal percentage on shots at the rim. They are 20th, which is basically last, in shots in the long mid-range area. So like shots outside the paint, but inside the three-point line. That's going to have to get better because the Suns will play drop. They will try to uh, they'll try to coax the Nuggets into taking those kinds of shots. The problem is that, like for the Suns, the problem is that DeAndre Ayton is not Rudy Gobert. And Jokic will be able to get better shots against Aiden than he will against Gobert. Like, that's that's just a fact. And if he doesn't, then I'd be very concerned. I would be very, very concerned. But we're going to have to see. We're going to have to see what it looks like. I do think that Denver, like the key here, they're going to have to continue to work for those great shots. Whether it's Murray, whether it's Jokic, you can't settle for the mid-range a ton. Don't fall into that battle against the Suns. You do not have to match them from those spots. Uh, from a shot-making perspective, you just have to play your own game. You, that's all it is. You don't have to try to show anybody up. You don't have to try to show that you're better than somebody. You just have to show that the team is better. And that's that's where 
I would expect Denver to really thrive in in this particular era, in this particular time. Now, I do think that Murray and, and Jokic can really shine in those moments by themselves, but they've got to play together. They've got to keep everybody involved. They've got to work together as a team. Whereas Booker and Durant, I think they can be more independent pieces. It doesn't have to just be uh, like they, they don't have to play the beautiful game. I think the Nuggets have to play the beautiful game a little bit more. And that's fine. That's okay. But Denver can do that. Whether they will do it enough remains to be seen. Pressure points for Denver. Attacking the Suns in transition is a really, really big deal. Uh, the Suns, the only, like, the biggest reason why they weren't a great defense against the Clippers were because they gave up so many transition opportunities. They did a pretty good job of defending in transition, if I, like, if I don't say so myself. But the problem is that they gave up a ton of those opportunities, which are just naturally better than half-court opportunities. So Denver, anytime the Suns miss, anytime they miss, anytime they turn it over, you have to run in transition. Bruce Brown will do that well. KCP will do that well. Uh, Michael Porter does that really well. And then Jokic likes to push the pace too. So if he can continue to outwork DeAndre Ayton in this series, that could be where they really shine. That would be something I really like. The other thing is attacking Chris Paul. His size, not super big. Not not a not a big guy. Yeah, not a big guy, Chris Paul. He is a, a definite pressure point for the Suns. He's being asked to play so many minutes right now, uh, Chris Paul is, that it's just going to be an issue for him. They're they're getting back campaign. Campaign was good against Denver in that 2021 series, but I do think that. Uh, in general, Denver has to take advantage of Chris Paul. They they have to put a lot of pressure on him. They've got to force him to break if they can. He's the guy that they can match up against, that they've got to try to get Murray uh, in pick and roll against him all the time. That'll be a good way for them to get an advantage. Uh, then Jokic one-on-one versus DeAndre Ayton. That'll be the last thing. The Suns are going to try to defend one-on-one. That's what they're going to try to do. They're going to try to force Denver into isolation basketball, and they're going to try to trust DeAndre Ayton because he did a good job last time. These two teams faced each other in the playoffs a couple of years ago. Jokic didn't handle that matchup that well. In that matchup, he he was feeling like he was getting fouled, getting very frustrated, not shooting that well, not playing that well, and I think it really affected him. Man, I'm so glad that they have an off time right now. Like, for those that are listening on the audio version, I'm coughing up a storm here on this live YouTube section. So super cool. I know this is great content for everybody. Thank you for, for hanging out and listening. Um, but no, I, I think Jokic is going to have to be, be big, obviously. He's got to be the best player in the series. If he's not, then that's a problem. Let's take another break. When we come back, we are going to discuss um, why this series is such a big deal for Nikola Jokic and Michael Malone. I've been sick for like five days. Like this is just, it's just horrible. And it's very frustrating to feel like I'm getting better. I feel like I'm, I'm getting through this, but I gotta take care of myself. So we're gonna do a short, Last po- uh, last segment of the podcast here. 
this playoff series is going to be big for Nicole Jokic and for Michael Malone. Um, last two years, I think you could definitely chalk up to. Um, I think you can definitely chalk up to injuries. I think you can definitely chalk up to being tired. Uh, not having Jamal Murray, I think everybody sees in this playoff series, this last one against the T Wolves. It's really helpful to have a guy like Jamal. Really helpful to have a guy who can go off for 40 points, 35 points, whatever, and just take some pressure off of Jokic. Like having somebody who can run, pick, and roll with you, who can set you up a little bit, who can, uh, at times, Jokic can just let Jamal work. When Jamal has it going, sometimes you just want to let him keep going. Because if he's able to do that, it saves Jokic some minutes in game. It saves him some energy in game. There will be times where Jokic has to go to work, and I, I think he will in this particular series. But this is going to be a big one because there's just no excuses, right? Denver managed the regular season well. They didn't put a lot of strain on Jokic. They didn't put a lot of strain on really anybody. Uh, and, and they're as healthy as they could possibly be heading into this part, heading into this particular matchup. This is the one. This is the big one. This is the one where Denver was embarrassed for up. They had to get it done. They had to make it work. And now, uh, now, now they've got an opportunity to do so. This is the best roster that Denver's ever had. This is the best fit that Denver has ever had around Nikola Jokic. Think about all the great pieces that Denver has. Murray, I think, is a great compliment. I know a lot of people love to criticize. I know a lot of people think that he should be offloading the ball to Jokic more, but him taking up some of those opportunities helps Jokic, and I don't think people fully appreciate that. Uh, he has to be great, uh, Murray does, but he can be, and him being great helps everybody. Uh, Michael Porter can save Denver from the three-point line. Uh, Aaron Gordon can save Denver from a hustle standpoint and a rebounding standpoint and a defensive standpoint. Uh, KCP does a great job in terms of spacing the floor and playing defense. Bruce Brown does a great job of playing defense and was the combo guard that the Nuggets needed in this last little stretch to help out Murray. So it was really, really good stuff there. And then Christian Brown, Jeff Green, Guys off the bench, anybody else that gets up off the bench, we will see. But I do think that this is the best fit the Nuggets have had. And now the opportunity comes for Nikola Jokic and for Michael Malone, really, both of those guys. That's where the pressure lies. It's not with Murray, really. Like, he, he has to be great. Uh, it's not really with Porter, either. Like Those guys will, like, if they're great, then Denver will win. If they're not great, then Denver can still win. But I do think that a lot of that pressure comes down to how good Denver's defense is and how good Denver like gets through the tough moments. Nikola Jokic and Michael Malone are the guys that are at the center of all of that. Jokic, let's start with him first. Faced a lot of slander, faced a lot of criticism, and this is the defining one where if he gets through the Suns, even if they don't win the championship, even if they, like, let's say they lose to the Lakers, It'll feel bad, but like if you get through the Suns and the exact team that a lot of people are picking against Denver because of their style of play, because of Jokic's deficiencies, if Denver can find a way to get through that, it at least proves the concept that it's possible. 
it at least sees that you can do it. There's a lot of people that don't think Denver can do it just because of the way that they have to defend with Jokic out there. We're going to find out. We are going to find out what that looks like, but I do think that it is going to be very interesting, and Jokic has just got a lot of pressure on his shoulders for sure. Michael Malone is another guy who's got a lot of pressure on him. He's got a lot of pressure, there's no doubt. If Denver loses the series, I'm I'm just going to come out and say he's probably gone. Like, unless it's a Game 7 series where Denver, like, Jokic gets injured in in the game and then, then, like, knock on wood, obviously. Uh, If if that's the case and and there are circumstances that prevent him from, like, having a full roster, then it's a little bit different. But if Denver has everything, like it has been, that's, that's worked up together, then... I do think that Malone is now at the position where it's it's put up or shut up time. Did a great job in that first round series, I think. Getting Denver through it, getting them motivated in the right places, pushing the right buttons. Uh, it was a good Jeff Green series, good Bruce Brown series. Not as much of a Christian Brown series as I thought it would be, but that's okay. This is going to have to be a Christian Brown series. This is going to have to be a trust your rookie kind of series. This is going to have to be getting Michael Porter Jr. playing the right way consistently and then putting him in position where he can be the difference maker in some of these games. Uh, And then setting up Jokic and Murray for the best possible success on both ends of the floor. Those guys are both going to be targeted. They're both going to be uh, battling in like all 48 minutes and, and as many minutes as they play. Malone has to find ways to create advantages for his stars, and mitigate the disadvantages that they're going to face. Like, it's just got to happen. And if it doesn't, and if they fail, then he's probably gone. And look, I like Malone. I think that he's really good. I think that he's a great motivator of people. I think that he's a sneaky good tactician. Uh, If Denver decided to move on, it's not the end of the world. It's not like it can't happen, but I want it to happen with Malone. I think that his identity is as much integrated into who the Nuggets are as anybody outside of Jokic. I think that Jokic is the guy who's the all-everything for the franchise, obviously. But behind him, it's probably Malone, even over Murray, who I think has the most pull within the franchise from a, a emotional um, identity standpoint. So it's interesting to think about what this team would look like if those two separated. But you don't have to because like, if Jokic and Malone win this together, Murray wins it together, Porter's out there helping, and these guys advance to the conference finals and potentially further, then this could be, like this series right here could be the series that defines who those two are. And if Malone can push the right buttons, if Jokic can rise to the occasion, if he can be the best player in the world, on a series against other elite shot makers like a Devin Booker and like a Kevin Durant, then it says a lot about who he is. Uh, I think he's fantastic. I think he will rise to the occasion, but uh, there's people that don't. And there are people that think that he will fail at this stage. There are people that are rooting for him to fail at this stage. And I'm hoping that he can go back against that, that he can figure that out. It's going to be very interesting to see what he's able to do. but. It's all about getting the job done. It's all about figuring it out, just solving the problems that are in front of you. There are no egos. There are no, like, 
agendas that have to be pushed. Uh, if Murray has to sit out in a clutch position because Bruce Brown's playing super well and Murray's not, then so be it. If Jokic has to come off the floor for a defensive possession here or there, so be it. I don't care. Like If they get the job done, if they win, you can just show them your ring on your finger. You do not have to show them anything else. Like, you don't have to say, oh, yeah, well, that ring doesn't count because Jokic was taken off the floor in a clutch game for defensive stop. That's not how it works. He's the leader on the best team. Like That's all, that's all that matters. So I do think that Denver, they've got a lot to figure out here. They still have to be a better version of themselves than they were against the T-Wolves. I think that they will be. Uh, but what I will say is that this is going to be a an absolute war. I really do think that. I think that this goes seven. I think that this is a back-and-forth series where the Suns will probably steal one of the first two games, which means that the Nuggets are going to have to steal a game on the road in order to get it back to Denver. And that prospect is very scary. It's just a scary proposition to have to win on the road against Phoenix in what's going to be a very hostile environment for Denver. And then to have to play a game seven against Kevin Durant. <laughs> like, that's a scary thing. But look, I think Denver's built for it. I think that they're ready. I think that this is the year. And if they can't get through this this year, then maybe it just wasn't meant to be. But I'm not going to approach it that way. I think that Denver's ready to get it done. I think that they're going to prove a lot of people. Uh, a lot of things. I think that this is going to be a very exciting time to be a Nuggets fan. And it is only now that should be getting on board. Uh, it would be really awesome, T, if the Nuggets swept Denver. I, I If the Nuggets swept Phoenix. I really do think that that would be such a freaking awesome outcome. I do not think it's going to happen. But if it did, then we will just have to see. But... For now, I think it's time to say goodbye. Uh, Michael, can you hit that outro music for me? Folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the show. Uh, sorry for being sick. I'm going to like go bathe myself in tea. I think that's probably the best way to do this. Uh, medication and all of that, but look, this is going to be a crazy, crazy time to be a Nuggets fan, to cover the Nuggets. I'm looking forward to it. Everybody, it's time to get ready. Should be a lot of fun. Should be super stressful. Hopefully it's rewarding. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in on this Wednesday night. Hit that like button on the way out if you can. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.